Hello and welcome back to Come Get a Sip, the baddest podcast in the game with the baddest host, (laughs) Norris J. I am so glad to be back doing this. We took another hiatus, you know, after the previous episode. Um, Making a podcast is hard, especially when you're the one writing the script, you're the one editing, producing, posting, promoting, all of that. Um, It's hard, especially like I'm in school, I have many jobs, as my forever fave, Phaedra would say. Um, I also make music, go check it out by the way, the intro, that's my song, Come Get a Sip, little instrumental version of it. Anyways, enough about me, because I'm starting to sound like the subject of today's episode, um, which is self-obsessed pop stars, okay? So we're going to get into that in a minute. But thank you so much for everyone who's been rocking with the Come Get a Sip podcast since it was in its first iteration, came through sipping, sip, sip. Now, I don't want to have no copyright issues, so we changed the name. And so, yeah, here we are. You know, this is such an interesting time in the world, in in the world of entertainment and celebrity and all of that. Um, There's been so many controversies over the past couple weeks some of which we will cover in these next two episodes. But it's just been a very interesting time. And there's so much going on, Um, you know, even just in terms of my faves, you know, Serena's retiring. Oh my gosh, my heart. Ah! Serena's retiring. We don't know what Venus is going to do, whether she's going to keep playing or not. Mariah talking about she's not going to go on tour anymore. It's just too much. It's too much. But, you know, it is what it is. Life goes on. So without further ado, let's just get into it. I know y'all busy. I know I'm busy. So let's just start. This series, as I said before, this two-part series is going to be about self-absorbed pop stars and the fascination with them, the dangers that they can cause and that the, the sort of orbit around them can cause. Um, and the way that they can influence pop culture and general culture for better and for worse. Um, So let's get started. The first subject of this series is going to be someone who is known throughout the world, um, has been known ever since they auditioned for a little talent show called The X Factor. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. They were part of the group One Direction. They eventually started their own solo career, and now they have completely just gone to another level of fame and of success in their solo career. They recently got their second number one hit on the Hot 100 chart, which is difficult to get. Not everybody has that. (laughs) We'll save that for the next episode. (laughs) But anyways, um, no. And they are just having like a moment, you know, and sometimes when you have a moment, things can spiral the wrong way. And that is sort of what's happened here with a certain guy named Harry Styles. Let me just start with a disclaimer. I like Harry Styles' music. You know, not all of it is for me, but I love Lights Up. <laughs> I love Lights Up. I like as it was. I really, really, really love Love of My Life. That is my song. Like, I don't know if it's the chord progression or what, but that song just hits. 
So I like his music, some of it. But with that said, I have had my eyebrow raised at some comments that he has made um, in recent years, in recent months, and now in recent weeks in regards to the queer community, the queer experience, his relationship with his sexuality and with queerness or not queerness. It's been a very interesting subject as it pertains to him, Um, you know, topics of sexuality and queerness. With One Direction in particular, I feel like there have been a lot of questions throughout their career as a group and as solo artists, you know, um, (laughs) not to sound like Janet Jackson in, um, what was that movie? For Color Girls, Are You Gay? (laughs) They've been asked that a lot, whether to their face or whether in fan forums, on Twitter, it's just been a topic of discussion. You know, it's been a topic of discussion with other artists as well. Um, Sean Mendez, I feel like he can never dodge those questions. They're always asked about him. Is he bi? Is he gay? You know, also Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X came out several years ago. Um, and we'll talk about him a little later um, because I want to sort of do like sort of a compare and contrast. Um, not necessarily in the spirit of comparison, but in the spirit of looking at an overview of how things work in regards to this topic. Anyways, Harry Styles recently released his new album, Harry's House. Um, It has done extremely well, as I mentioned before, as it was, went to number one. It's the lead single from that album. And Late Night Talking, another song from that album, is quickly climbing up the charts. He recently did an interview with Rolling Stone. He was their first ever global cover star. So that means he's the cover on all their publications around the world. And in that interview, he talked about many things. He talked about the process of making music during a pandemic. He talked about his film career and what it's becoming. And he also talked about Um, the speculation that has occurred in regards to his own sexuality. Now, before we go any further, I will say some of the backlash that the article about him received, there was a lot of backlash, but some of it should be directed directly at Rolling Stone and at the person who wrote the article because it deals a lot in hyperbole and in exaggeration and in superlatives, which has anybody who's familiar even somewhat with stand culture and with music culture knows sometimes the worst thing you can do to an artist is attach a superlative to them that they haven't necessarily earned. Even if you mean well, as I'm sure this person did. Here are some of these quotes from this writer in regards to Harry Styles. They called Harry a gender-bending style icon. Icon is definitely a strong word here. Gender bending, I would say not so much. Um, Harry Styles wears a lot of very interesting clothing. Some would describe it as a word that begins with you and ends with ugly. Um, It's definitely out there, you know? Colors don't necessarily seem to coordinate, neither do patterns. It just all kind of feels like unintentional. You know, and I will say for me personally, I feel like oftentimes there are quote unquote style icons, as they're called, who don't put much thought and intention into what they wear. It's just kind of just, you know, it just looks like any old thing that they done threw on. And maybe that's the intention behind it. 
but it does sort of feel like he didn't put much effort into becoming a quote-unquote style icon. Because it's like, what? Like, I can say for me, there hasn't been, these outfits that are being described, I haven't seen one personally where I've been like, oh, okay, that was a good choice. That's just me. And it seems, actually, it seems like it's a lot of other people. But we don't have to get into that because that's not the point of this episode. Anyways, here's another. Harry Styles, new king of pop. Now this one, ooh, he was getting dragged, devoured, everything on Twitter for this. New king of pop. King of pop is one of those things it will never, it can never be attached to someone else. You know, there are certain superlatives in music that no matter what happens, there's never going to be someone who can take that. King of Pop is one of those. I think another one would definitely be The Voice. Whitney Houston will always be The Voice. It don't matter who comes next. Whitney Houston will always be The Voice. Michael Jackson will always be the King of Pop. You know, I remember someone posted a side-by-side of Harry Styles singing on X Factor and sounding less than stellar and Michael Jackson singing in the Jackson 5 as a very young kid and sounding amazing. I mean, runs, riffs, you name it. And we can think about the career that Michael Jackson had, both in the Jackson 5 and as a solo artist, just unmatched. So many hits, so many amazing albums. I mean, he single-handedly revolutionized the format of a music video and how it's made, how it's perceived, how it's thought of in the public consciousness. Harry Styles has not had any impact of that sort. I'm not saying he can't have a somewhat of an impact in terms of really changing the industry, changing something, but it hasn't happened, you know? Two number ones and, you know, a couple, I will say good to great albums aren't gonna earn you that status of king of pop. If that were the case, we would have had 50 new kings of pop by now, you know? And so I understand they do this to be provocative and to sell magazines and to get clicks and stuff, but it's just annoying. It's annoying. And that brings us to the last superlative, world's most wanted man. <sighs> I just, I, um, I, I, I think there's, it, it's just, speaking on behalf of the entire world is a choice. It's a very interesting choice. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. You know, I'm not saying that to say, I'm definitely not saying that to say, like, he's unattractive. I do think he's attractive in certain clothes and in certain contexts, not the clothes that usually he wears. But there have definitely been pictures where I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. All of that is to say, a good deal of the backlash to this article should be directed at Rolling Stone and at the writer of this article because there was a great deal of BS contained within it. And it wasn't stuff that came from Harry. It was stuff that was written about Harry. Now, with that said, a lot of it did come from Harry, which is what we're going to talk about right now. So, as I mentioned before, Harry Styles has spoken in multiple interviews about his sexuality, about the questions surrounding his sexuality, um, about criticisms that he has received. One of the reasons that sexuality came up in this interview is because 
Harry is currently working on a film called My Policeman. It's about a policeman who is gay and who falls in love and has a secret relationship with another man. The movie is set in Europe and it's set in the past. And so in reflecting on the advancements that have been made in LGBTQ+, specifically gay rights, um, then versus now, Harry said this. It's obviously pretty unfathomable now to think, oh, you couldn't be gay. That was illegal. I think everyone, including myself, has your own journey with figuring out sexuality and getting more comfortable with it. And then in speaking about the film and how it might be labeled as like a gay film, oh my gosh, imagine, I'll be so terrible. Harry said this, it's not like this is a gay story about these guys being gay. It's about love and about wasted time to me. How wonderful, how interesting. <laughs> Before we get into the really, really questionable quote from this interview, let's just break this part down. Firstly, the idea that it's unfathomable to think that being gay could be illegal, not really, not really at all. It is still illegal in many parts of the world. And even in parts of the world where it is quote unquote legal, there are still many obstacles to living freely and peacefully as a gay person. Um, some of which are written into laws, some of which are just part of the societal code that is so widely accepted by so many people. Not to mention the additional legal barriers that trans people face and other members of the community face outside of gay men. This quote is just so, so, it's kind of ignorant, to be honest. It's a little ignorant. It's a little ignorant. And it just, it kind of gives unaware. Because what are you talking about? Also, I understand from a marketing perspective, you know, not wanting something to be labeled as a gay story. But at the same time, that's what it is, you know? I mean, let's, let's just be real. It is a gay story about guys being gay, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I can see the desire to want gay films, like films that center around gay couples, around queer couples, around queer people, to be accepted and promoted and received in the same regard as films that focus on straight people. But at the end of the day, the aspect of them being gay and of them being queer should not be an afterthought. You know what I mean? It should be, it is central to the story. It's very central to the story based on what he has said about the story. So, yeah, it kind of is a gay story. So anyways, let's get into the next quote, which is about the topic of sex in the film. This is what Harry had to say about that. So much of gay sex in film is two guys going at it, and it kind of removes the tenderness from it. There will be, I would imagine, some people who watch it who are very much alive during this time when it was illegal to be gay. Here he goes saying was. And then he talks about how they wanted to show that it's tender and loving and sensitive. Oh gosh, there's a lot going on here. Let's just start at the top. So much of gay sex in film. First of all, just starting off with that, that just sounds so, it just sounds so pretentious. Like obviously we can't hear 
the tone with which he said this, but just reading it, I'm just like immediately rolling my eyes. Like, oh my gosh. Like, hmm. One of the things that bothers me so much about certain projects that are made by hyper famous people is that they approach them as if they're such a groundbreaking and such a revolutionary project. You know, like so much of film is this and so much of music is that. And here's why my project is different. Here's why my project is gonna be exactly what the world needs. It's just annoying at its core because let's just get into it. Gay sex in film, two guys going at it, what film is he talking about? Now, maybe he's talking about film that can't be shown on certain sides of the internet. <laughs> but if we're talking about cinema, if we're talking about movies, there are so many, and I say so many with a bit of a caveat because there aren't so, so many queer films, but within that group that do exist, so many of them do depict queer sex and gay sex as loving and as tender, you know? And also, let's just say, going at it, there can be love in there too. Anyways, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to say, like, have you e how many queer films have you even seen? You know, how many gay sex scenes in movies have you even seen to where you feel like you can remark on what so much of it is in comparison to this film? Like, really? Please find another way to sell tickets. Please find another way to get people to watch your movie, but don't discount the entire history of queer films and queer cinema just to make your one movie seem that much more important than every other movie. It's just, it's, an, it's, it's, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. And this is where we start to tiptoe into the topic of, are you queer? Are you part of this community? I'm not going to assume either way because he has never explicitly said, I am queer. I don't expect him to. I don't need him to. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say he has to come out. That's not my business. It's his life. He doesn't have to do anything. But at the same time, if you're making all of these statements, as I've said, this is not the first statement he's made about queer media and about queerness and about the way that queerness operates in the world. And so if you are doing that as someone who's not a part of the queer community, then in that case, stop immediately. But if you are a member of the community, again, I'm not going to assume either way. I'm not going to push for him to confirm that. Why are you constantly speaking on it and particularly speaking on it in a way that is negative and in a way that portrays yourself as like a savior to the community, whether you're a part of it or not, a savior to the community, someone who's gonna get the community to a new space, a new place where everybody's just like free and loving and tender as if there isn't so much tenderness already in the community. There isn't already so much love in the community. Like you're... <laughs> You know, it's just like, what are you doing? But this really speaks to the importance of being tapped into the history of queer people and of queer experiences of the queer community. Because I think that 
when you view or when you portray queerness as something that is tied to individualism or to one individual, that individual being yourself, you run the risk of not being aware of its existence in the world. You run the risk of not being aware of the history and of the legacy of the queer community that exists outside of you. You know, you're not the first person to want to depict tender, sensitive, queer love in film. And the people who do it after you are definitely not gonna owe it to you. You know, I just think it's, it's a very interesting choice to place yourself or to attempt to place yourself at the forefront of a community and of a movement and of an experience that you have not explicitly claimed. Again, I've got to address the nuances here. Like, I really do. It's not, I'm not saying that to say that you need to come out in order to speak about queer experiences. I'm saying that to say there are people who have been doing this work for decades, longer than you and I have both been on this earth combined. And so to act like you're some sort of spokesperson for the community or you understand the community better than other people is just not true. And it's not it's not true, it's not fair, and it's not flattering to you. It doesn't make you look good. So I just don't understand what the goal is here besides to sell tickets. <laughs> like let's just be real. You know, there is a lot of stuff that comes with officially declaring yourself as a part of the queer community. Stuff good and bad. And that's not to, and once again, once again, I will say that's not to say that you or anybody else has to come out or that you should come out. It's not to say that. It's just to say that there are so many people who outwardly and openly walk in this experience every day of their lives. And you, your work, your films, your music, none of it is any more revolutionary or any more groundbreaking than anything that they've done. You know, I think about the movie Bros. It's written by and starring Billy Eichner from Billy on the Street. Ooh, we got on my nerves on this show, but anyways, we move. Um, T.S. Madison, Queen, I love her so much. She is in it. So many queer actors, queer artists are in this movie. It is the first major studio romantic comedy to center around a gay couple. I will say the movie, based on the trailer, does have certain things that irk me, you know, in terms of who it centers. But we'll get into that another time. I will say I do appreciate the fact that Billy Eichner has been very intentional in saying this is a gay love story. There's no attempt here to make it seem like, oh, this is just a love story, but gay people are in it. Or, oh, we're going to make sure that the scenes that depict love and depict sex are palatable to straight audiences or what they're used to. Like, no, this is going to be authentic to our experiences. Not to say that all of our experiences are the same. It's just to say that there's, gonna be, there's not going to be an attempt here to wash over any of this. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's very important 
to do. I just wish Harry would say, you know what? This isn't a revolutionary work. This isn't a trailblazing, groundbreaking work. And, you know, I'm still figuring out my journey. I don't have any declarations to make personally, but in line with that, I also don't have any declarations to make about the state of queer film. You know, there's just, there's a disconnect between that. There's a disconnect between the personal and commentary on the community and on what needs to be done to make the community better and to make the world better in terms of how it treats the community. There's a disconnect here. There's a level of self-obsession here and self-promotion that is becoming more and more apparent as these interviews stack up. And it, it is rooted in a lack of awareness. It's rooted in a lack of awareness. It's rooted in a lack of community connection if there is a connection to be had with the community. And he just needs to change the way he approaches this because it's only going to get worse for him, especially as the movie starts to really like pick up and roll out and be put in theaters and everything. And he does more interviews. Oh my gosh. Like he needs to, something needs to change. Something's got to give because this ain't it at all. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a confident artist, you know, and hoping that your work will have an impact. Every artist should hope that. But don't, in the process, bash all the other art that's been made or generalize it in order to make your thing seem like it's so special. If it really is that special, it will shine on its own. The community, both the queer community and just the general film community, people who watch movies, you know, etc., the world will see how special it is, if it truly is that special. But the more you talk about it and try to position it as something that is groundbreaking, the more it seems like it's just not. The more people try to push Harry Styles as a, again, a quote, gender-bending style icon, the more it seems like that's not the case. Because there are so, so, so many artists who really do push the boundaries and who do it in a way that is incredibly intentional. And so for a white man who just throws on a cloak and a tank top and some yellow pants, oh my gosh, it's just, it's, what is iconic about that? What is groundbreaking about that? Like, please, please be serious. We have got to stop allowing white men in particular to place themselves on these pedestals as if they're the ones pushing stuff forward. When oftentimes, as is in this situation, it's just not the case. You know, we have artists like Lil Nas X, Kehlani, Saucy Santana, Young M.A., Big Frida, who have faced so much backlash and controversy and disrespect for the boundaries that they have pushed and for the advancements that they have made. They have pushed the queer presence in music so far forward. And it's something that me as a queer artist, I appreciate so much and I love them for it so much for the ground that they have broken. You know, and so it bothers me. I do feel some type of way that here you have this white man who has never confirmed that he's a part of the queer community, 
who is being pushed as the one pushing boundaries and who is pushing himself as the one who's pushing boundaries. I've never seen him give a shout out to other people in the community. Mind you, all of these artists constantly shout out the people who have inspired them and who have broken the ground that they stood on to continue breaking ground. I haven't seen him do that. I haven't seen him do that in terms of the community. I haven't seen him do that. And maybe that's something that just comes with not being outwardly queer. Once again, one more time, I'm not saying you have to be. But if you're going to position yourself as someone who's revolutionizing queer art and the presence of queer people in art and of queer topics in art, you cannot do that without shouting out and acknowledging the people who came before and the people who are out there with you also pushing the boundaries. The filmmakers, the actors, the singers, the musicians, you're not the only one. And you're definitely not the main one having impact. So do not act like you are. Anyways, that's, ooh, it's not, what was that? What, what does that sound like? The beginning of what song? Uh, oh, Lizzo, About Damn Time. Anyways, do, oh, that didn't sound like it. Okay, anyways, love that song. <sighs> Thank y'all for listening to the comeback episode. It's like the fifth comeback episode of Come Get a Sip. This is part one of the two-part episode arc. You know, we got to do a two-part premiere about self-obsessed pop stars. We just talked about Harry Styles. We just got that little controversy together. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about another controversial artist, someone who has a very dedicated fan base who are just, they're just, they're just, they're them. They're them. Um, and she's her, she's her. And yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about Miss, we're going to talk about Miss Minaj. We're going to talk about Nikki and we're going to just hope for the best. (laughs) But anyways, uh, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for rocking with me. Check out my new single, Stock Go Up, music video out now, available for purchase, available to stream on all platforms. Watch the stock go up and follow me because I have new music coming soon. Also, make sure to check out all of the official Come Get a Sip pages at Come Get a Sip on Twitter, at Come Get a Sip on Instagram, Come Get a Sip on YouTube. Follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, of course. And follow us on TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out our name on TikTok because someone has taken the Come Get a Sip app. Very annoying, but it's okay to quote one of my faves, Mariah. We love everybody. We really do. So thank y'all for listening and have a blessed day. Have the best of days and be at peace. Ooh, my voice cracked. Oh my goodness. Be at peace. Be at peace. I'm just going to say it. Be at peace. I'm going to say it in the, you know, the Medea voice when Tyler Perry goes in the deep voice. Be at peace. Anyways, bye. (laughs) Come Get a Sip is written, produced, edited, promoted, and hosted by yours truly, Norris J. Thank you for listening and have a great day.